Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And perhaps we need look no further as to why it is that the church is impotent today. The church has lost all of its power. Well, there's a form of godliness, but there's no power. It's been lost. Why? Because it's been profaned. Where are the Nehemiahs? Where are the men of God? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. Is it a tragedy to us that the Church of Christ has made the holy a common thing? Today, Pastor J.D. brings to light the fact that the church is losing its power because believers aren't willing to take a stand and embrace the holiness God does. As Christ's representatives here on earth, the church needs to step up and take action. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Nehemiah chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of what Nehemiah does here. This is not okay. I can almost just imagine his blood boiling. How could you do this? How could you allow... Do you know how much heartburn Tobiah gave me when we were rebuilding the wall? Do you know he threatened my life and you're providing him a room in the course of the temple of God? What are you thinking? I think of uh, David when he shows up on the battlefield, his father sends him, and he hears only one time that which the army of the Israelites, three of which were his older brothers, and under King Saul, had heard for 40 days and 40 nights, and it's not okay. Well, what did he hear? He heard the uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the name of his God. One time he hears that. That's not okay. Notice where Nehemiah says, it grieved me bitterly. That's an understatement. That's an understatement. I believe his, his soul was vexed. This was a righteous anger. How could you do this? How could you allow this? Here's David on the battlefield. How could you? This is not okay. You've been listening to this for 40 days and 40 nights. I come here. I hear it one time. This is not acceptable. It will not happen again. I'll take care of it. And Nehemiah takes care of it. And David takes care of it. Well, what's the takeaway from this? Well, I think that sometimes we allow the Tobias into our lives. We provide room for them. Wait, aren't we the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do we allow the Tobias 
access into our lives as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Oh, by the way, when we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And not only do we grieve the Holy Spirit, we can even worse yet quench the Holy Spirit. Tobiah is alive and well. And this doesn't only apply to the Tobias taking up residence in our lives, but it applies to the Tobias taking up residence in the church as well. Well, verse 10, he says, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them, for each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. They went back to their jobs. So I contended with the rulers, and I said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Again, we don't know how many years Nehemiah was gone, but apparently it didn't take much. And look what's happened. So he says, And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then, verse 12, All Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse, and I appointed as treasures over the storehouse Shelemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Pedaiah. And next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful. And their task was to distribute to their brethren. And then he says this, verse 14, very interesting. Remember me, O my God, concerning this. <laughs> And do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. So here we're told that the Levites had to forsake their service in the temple. And it was due to the fact that the people had basically stopped giving their tithes. This is what the tithes and offerings were were for. It was for the house of God, for the storehouse, and it was also to provide an income for the Levites. Keep in mind, the Levites were not given any inheritance of land or property. This was their service, and they were to be paid for their service there in the temple. And so when the people stopped tithing, they ended up having to go back and get jobs and find work And this is why Nehemiah confronts the leaders so as to set everything back in order. And he even goes as far as, I imagine Nehemiah being this very gifted administrator. This man had to just have tremendous, really, I believe, supernatural skills when it came to organization and administration in his leadership. But back to this prayer in verse 14. It almost, on its face, seems to be a little bit self-serving, right? He's like, God, remember me for what I did here. Did you notice what I did here, Lord? Reward me for what I did What I did here. Oh no. Please know that what he's saying here is, God, you alone see that I have taken a stand for righteousness. And whenever anyone takes a stand for righteousness, it comes at great cost. 
as we're about to see, he, he, <laughs> he's going to make some pretty powerful enemies. In verse 15, in those days, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then, I I like verse 17, and you'll forgive me for liking verse 17, but this Nehemiah has a spiritual spine. Listen to what we're told. He said, Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and I said to them, What evil thing is this that you do? By which you, and I want you to notice this word profane. I want to come back to this word profane. Which you profane the Sabbath day. Did not, verse 18, your fathers do thus? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath? So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no birds would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. And that's not prayer, okay? So you understand. No. (laughs) Oh, I love this guy. Can't wait to meet Nehemiah in heaven. He's my kind of guy. This guy's got a holy boldness, you might say. He's a strong leader, and he's basically telling them, don't even think about it. And oh, by the way, if you're foolish enough to think about it, I will personally myself lay my hands on you, and I will stop you. I will stop you myself. I will stop you. And oh, by the way, uh, Tobiah, he's long gone, and so is all his stuff. His flat screen TV, his Xbox, all that stuff, he threw it out. And he threw Tobiah out. Well, he says, from that time on, (laughs) they came no more on the Sabbath. You think? I don't think you want to mess with this guy, right? And verse 22, I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. And here he says it again, praise. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. Again, what he's saying here is, God, I did the right thing, but it's going to come at a great cost. Lord, what I did here, I know, pleases you but it's come at the expense of pleasing man. 
You know what these guys are getting away with, right? They were making a lot of money selling on the Sabbath, trying to get ahead, and they were defiling and profaning the temple of God, the sacred temple of God. Does this remind you of what Jesus did when he turned over the tables of the money changers who were making merchandise there in the temple, taking advantage of the Jews? And this is quite a a rather intense picture of the Savior. But we have this picture of him, and he's he's kind of, you'll forgive me, he's kind of wimpy looking. <laughs> Listen, he was a carpenter. I don't imagine that he looked that wimpy. I, I would imagine that he looked a lot more rugged than that, a lot more tough than that. And certainly, if you can imagine this image that we have of him turning over these tables there in the temple, he is angry. This is a righteous anger for what they were doing to God's people in profaning the temple. And he had to cleanse the temple. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, we're told this, that judgment begins in the house of God. Judgment begins with God's people. Listen to what Peter writes. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Sometimes I think that God has to turn the tables of our hearts. He has to cleanse our lives from the profane. Verse 23, In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod. This is getting worse, right? Ammon and Moab. And verse 24, Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So, here it is again, verse 25, I contended with them and cursed them. This does not mean that he swore at them. No, he pronounced a curse on them. Struck some of them. Does that mean he hit them? Yeah. I'm telling you, you don't want to mess with this guy, right? And this, this, it's right here in God's Word. Um, he struck some of them and pulled out their hair. Okay. Stop right there. I'm a little sensitive when it comes to the hair. Now remember, Ezra pulled out his own hair. Here, Nehemiah pulls out their hair. Now, this is the way I think. Okay, So I want to know why. Why did he not pull out his own hair? Here's what I'm thinking. This is purely speculation. He was bald. Are we okay with that? I'm just saying. So he didn't have any hair to pull out, so what does he do? He pulls out their hair. That had to hurt. Okay. Now keep in mind, he's, he's contended with them, he's cursed them, 
pronounced a curse on them. He's struck some of them and he's pulled out their hair. And then we're told, and he made them swear by God saying, at this point, I'll say whatever you want me to say and swear whatever you want me to swear. And this is what he made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. And then he brings Solomon into the uh, discussion, if you can call it that. Verse 26, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. And listen to what he says next. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? And one of the sons of Joyada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was a son-in-law of Senbalat, the Horonite. Therefore, I drove him from me. Remember them. Now this time he's saying, first he prays, remember me, what I did. Now he says, remember them, oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus... Verse 30, I cleanse them of everything pagan. I also assign duties to the priests and the Levites, each to his service, and to bringing the wood offering and the first fruits at appointed times. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. All right. Well, that's how the chapter ends and the book of Nehemiah ends, but... It doesn't end before leaving us with a powerful character study of a godly man. You'll forgive me for ending on this note, and you'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but absent modern-day Nehemiahs, the church today may fall prey to the profane. I want to talk about this word profane for just a moment. We think of profane as being um, profanity, dirty, but profane means this, to make common, to make common. In other words, you're going to make that which is sacred, that which is holy, you're going to bring it down and profane it and make it common. Now think about that. Isn't that what the church is doing today? I'm talking about, and please know that I don't take any pleasure or delight in talking about this. It is such a grievous thing that the church is profaned today made common. The Tobias have been allowed in and have profaned it. And it's unclean. And perhaps we need look no further as to why it is that the church is impotent 
today. The church has lost all of its power. Well, there's a form of godliness, but there's no power. It's been lost. Why? Because it's been profaned. Where are the Nehemiahs? Where are the men of God who have the the guts to do what a Nehemiah does here? Where are the Nehemiahs that don't care, don't give any concern for what people think of them? They don't care if they're liked. They only care what God thinks. They don't care what people think. Oh, let's not, let's not offend anybody. Let's not ruffle any feathers. I mean, can, can you imagine what this must have been like? Here Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem and he finds all of this happening. And he immediately takes action. And he gets physical. Now, that's not to say that that's what we do today. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to go there. I mean, but he takes action. And he does something about it. Why? Is he an angry man? No. Is he he just not a a very loving man? Oh, no. (laughs) No, that's why he does it. That's why he does it. This is not okay. This is God's temple. This is God's church. And would to God that there would never be allowed ever a Tobiah or anything or anyone that would be allowed access or entrance to take up residence in the church of God to profane it. And if it ever happens, and I've shared this maybe too much, I don't know. Maybe you can't say it enough. But as the pastor of this church, as is my privilege to be, I am so protective of this church. And if anybody ever comes into this church that poses a threat, I will protect you as the pastor and the leadership of this church will protect this flock as overseers of this flock from anyone who would come in and pose a threat. That's what we need, isn't it? We need some Nehemiahs in the church today with a spiritual spine to ensure that the church of God is not profaned. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so please visit our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find a link to our Twitter feed where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd also love to see you here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
Simply click listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. from various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update, where Pastor J.D. shares current events and their prophetic importance. Here's Pastor J.D. to tell you more. Yes, Josh, that's right. In doing the prophecy updates, we do focus our attention on current events through the lens of Bible prophecy. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus said that he has told us what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens, we will believe. This is why we have a very simple gospel presentation at the end of each prophecy update. It's our hope and prayer that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Sure hope you'll join us each and every Friday and Saturday for our Bible prophecy update. You can also find the updates at inspiritandtruthradio.com. There you'll find a link to our YouTube channel for the latest update. Thanks, Pastor J.D. We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah when you join us again. May your day and week be blessed as you continue to grow in spirit and truth.